Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, the Didi and Latal Show, Thoughts About Cybersecurity. Really excited to be in our first episode. Didi, why are we here? So we're going to talk a little bit about us and why somebody should listen to us and why should people care about what we have to say and listen to our arguments. But also, I'd like to cue up a little teaser of one of these topics, which is the dismal state of identity security at this point in time, because it's something near and dear to my heart. Hey, I've even started a company to deal with this problem. So it's something I feel passionate about. And I think you, you do too. Absolutely. Well, let's introduce ourselves. So Let's do that. I'll let you cue it up because I, you're a tough act to follow, but I will <laughs> enjoy it still. Uh, introduce all right. yourself, please, Lisa. All right. So married to Didi, we have three kids and I do marketing. For more than a decade, I do marketing in cybersecurity and I love it. Such an exciting time to be in cybersecurity. So many stories to tell. I'm going to take a little bit of credit. How did you get to marketing in cybersecurity? Oh, it's you. Definitely you. That's that's the best place in tech to be in. And that was more than a decade ago. I I take credit for saving (laughs) you from Procter & Gamble. Yeah, I was in consumer goods for a decade before that. And I love startups. I love technology. I love understanding technology and telling the story of technology. And I think we're in fascinating time when everything changes. Well, it's challenging. You forgot to say 8200. Yeah. We Israelis, if you didn't figure out by the accent, I guess it's European, non-distinct. People don't know. So if you were guessing, born and raised in Israel, went to Israeli IDF, and I was in the famous or infamous Unit 8200. So I've been doing cybersecurity before. It was called cybersecurity. It was called different things at the time. So yeah, probably I've over 20 years in being around doing that. I think you have even more years in this field than me. So I met in one of the last conferences, I met somebody who's leading product for a company that, CyberArk, a company that's close to us. And he said, oh, I'm in this space now for 22 years. And then I realized that he and I have been working with each other now for 30 years. So I've been in and out of security now for close to 30 years. And, well, I think we're on video so somebody can see that I look the part. (laughs) Aged well. We aged well. You aged well. I aged. In my part of the world, I wanted to be a doctor. I always wanted to be a doctor until I met the patients. And when I met the patients, I said, enough is enough. I was dropped into service in the Israeli army in computers. I think I am probably the only one in tech that is not from 8200 and has never claimed to be of that. I did two stints in the army because clearly I don't learn from experience. So I did my first stint and went and worked for a little startup. And in 2001, the bubble burst and I re-enlisted. And in 2008, when our twins were born, I discovered that government salary doesn't pay the rent. For twins, twins are very, very, very expensive. Especially where the third one follows them. Exactly. So I went out and joined RSA because my buddy Asaf told me I need to do that. 
and I listened to him, and that's how I ended up with RSA. Luckily enough, my buddy Oleg interviewed me because somebody else would have interviewed me. They would have never taken me and spent time at RSA. Thanks to the breach, I ended up here in the U.S. The famous breach from yes. the beginning of the 2010s. Yes, and I think we were very unique in our relocation because I think both our companies moved us here. Boston, yes. if you wonder. We live yes. in one of the suburbs. Yes, big Tom Brady fan, big Patriots fan, big Bruins fan. If you want to indulge me with a big, big conversation, either the Bill versus Tom, or you can... Ask the state of the Bruins, by the way, loved if we, you'll see the date. The Bruins kicked off their season two days ago. Awesome start. The check line, big fan. I love scoring rather than watching Claude Julien defense style. So, I'll bring us to security. So you'll bring, us, bring, back us, to, to you'll bring us back to security. Yeah, yeah. But this is where it becomes important. I left. I did RSA for a lot of years. Moved to Cisco. Built three stars for Cisco. One of them is a big identity solution. If you log into Cisco Cloud Products, you log into a solution that me and the team built. And now I'm in this cool startup called Oort, named after the famous Dutch astronomer and the Oort Cloud. And we thought that we were going to do cloud and zero trust. And then we discovered that identity is actually more important than that, than that because identity is key for zero trust to be successful. And we'll talk about it in a minute. Yes. I'm going to, you, you already promoted your company. I'll promote mine. So I work in a company called Hunters and we are helping companies move beyond SIM. So if you think about it, the descent, at the center of any SOC, any big security uh, operation center, they have this legacy software called SIM that collects data from across the environment, cross-correlate it, and then people need to work hard to help them detect and respond to some threat in their environments. We think that this needs to be modernized. So we automated the whole way from data ingestion, putting it in a modern infrastructure like Snowflake in a way that can actually consume data in a scalable way. And then we automatically cross-correlate, investigate, show the security analyst real threats in a way that they can easily consume and understand what's going on. So that's the promotion. Let's move to discuss why we're here. Yes. Um, we, we, you started your career in security at RSA, working on identity. You did what is called adaptive authentication. And yesterday I was just thinking about it. I was buying a domain for this podcast on GoDaddy. And I had all those questions of like, what was my, the name of my first pet and the high school I attended and made the name of my mom and all those things that I was like, oh my God, how come they still ask me those questions as a security question when I think all this information is probably on my social media. <laughs> so so luckily enough, I don't have social media. Right. But I, your data is out there as well. Like, well, I, 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 <laughs> I want to start an anti-social network because I, I would rather be left alone and not socialize. But I do agree. The data is out there. And I, when you were talking to me about this when we were doing our stretching post-workout, I was thinking about this as... The security in identity has not actually evolved at all. It is not. 
And I was thinking of my first RSA conference. I went to listen to Chris Hoff, and he was talking about the fact that for every problem, the solution is the firewall. That was 2008. And everybody said, oh, it, there's new attacks. Oh, let's throw a firewall at that. There's networking problems. Let's throw a firewall at that problem. It worked for a while. It worked for a while. But he was showing a list of threats, and he said, companies need to wake up and build something new. And to lo and behold, EDR came to life, NGFW came to life, Sims actually got their, their second wind and adopted into more UEBA-related things. Right now, there's been a big shift from underneath our feet. Nobody works at enough. Nobody's protected by the firewall. Everybody's data is out there. Everybody's data is very accessible and available. And every company gets every company that owns data gets breached. So in case you're like me and you put nothing out there, you still deal with the Social Security Office, you deal with the IRS, you deal with Newton Public Schools, horrible security probably. So your means, doctor, my doctor, Epic, the kids, Epic, pediatrician, I, yeah, Epic is great. Epic is great. I'm guessing that not as secure as people think they, it is. And my guess is that that, that data is easily out there. So assuming that you can ask me anything, any knowledge, anything that's related to my things that I know that nobody else will know is out the door. Assuming that SMS is something that's protected. It was the Twilio, hopefully I'm pronouncing their name correctly. Twilio, I think. Yeah, breach, clearly not an effective method of securing. And... You mentioned the replacing Sims. One of the challenges that is Sims, they, they security products really love, love to address the, the nature of the consumer. SOC teams are ADD. Tell me what's happening now. Tell me what's happening now. Tell me what's happening now. I don't care about, what the, about the past. I care about now. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they don't have the patience to learn about identity the patience to, and breadth of understanding not just what's there, but what's not there. And that's kind of a little bit of where I think there's been a little bit of a challenge with understanding security with the current tool sets. Well, it's hard to change tool sets, right? I mean, you have them, they're working, and then they stop working because the data is out. It's easy to impersonate your employees, like we've just seen there is like this trend of impersonating people on LinkedIn and like people are using false identities to apply for jobs. It's It's been now since the pandemic, nobody meets in person. It's You can fake things on Zoom even. It's unbelievable. So thinking that we still have systems that were developed to be secured based on thinking that there are things that only I know, and that will make sure me is me, it's crazy because everybody can know, unfortunately, my social security now. It's been leaked in the Equifax breach almost a decade ago. It's there. It's probably searchable. My cell phone number is on every Zoom info, every SDR knows to call me. So Yes, How I, I, I got a call. It's me. I got a call this morning on SDR, from yeah. SDR on my bike. By the way, this is where I'm going to pause and say, 
if you're listening and you're an SDR, a BDR, any salesperson, please don't call me. And you know what? I have a better idea. I have an su- interesting suggestion. If you want to sell to me, here's the, poss- here's the path that I will allow. Call your CISO. Call whoever is in charge of your security. If you give me a chance to pitch to him why he needs to buy either Ort or Hunter's, I will, will listen to their pitch. It's a barter. Exactly. We'll buy your product if you buy ours. Exactly. Or okay. at least listen. I, I'm willing to listen if you're willing to listen back. Okay. Time for time. Time um, for time. Exactly. So are we thinking about this problem correctly? So people are the perimeter nowadays. I, so you don't like these buzzwords. I'm uh, the marketeer here. Exactly. So, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. So in, in my world, I, I've, everybody's dancing around the identity is the new perimeter. Identity is the new firewall. That's mine, by the way. I, 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 I think we, in, in the security space, we talk like we're writing a white paper. <laughs> And we shouldn't. Jargon. Yes. Yeah. Our... our daughter is dyslexic and I like to say guys if my daughter can spell this I'm not using that word at least not in spoken language and I think what's happening is right now we've built hundreds of lines of defenses but identity problems were always there so even in the initial wars people had this password to say lightning thunder and To be able to to know who's on your side and who's on that side impersonation was always there the RSA breach kind of made it go away because nerds really liked the ability to hack people's machines and they didn't need to interact but now 16 year old kids call you up and say hey I'm your IT guy can you send me your password and I remember from the old RSA days that We were talking to a bank and they were talking about vulnerable person personalities and vulnerable people and we listened to an interview with this lovely old lady that had her account taken over five times and the bank said but we send you this communication training training and we offered you security said, training but she, she said but they were so persistent they were so persistent and right now identity attacks are just so persistent so we We like to please it's human beings like to help yeah so social engineering works if somebody calls you they ask for your help you will end up hen- helping them and maybe not to you yes exactly certain, yeah you don't care but uh, a certain percentage would because this is how we brought up uh, yeah kindness is supposed to be a virtue. you're getting an email from your manager asking for your help you immediately think you don't think you Oh my God, somebody impersonate my manager. You think, my manager needs my help. There you go, mister. I'm ready to help. Yes. And no, we are, we're not sending gift cards. This, is, this has attack been targeted on us now several times. No, no, we are not sending gift cards. So is well, there a solution? Oh, we're not going to talk about it and we'll leave it. No, I, I think it's worthwhile to first admit that there's a problem. If you want to address the solution, first... Admit that there's a problem because right now when we talk to people, even not customers or, or prospects, we're hearing, yeah, I'm evaluating stronger MFA, yeah, I'm considering doing something, but nobody's taking the time to admit that there's a problem. I'm going to use my favorite sports metaphor. 
the Patriots are not willing to admit that they have a problem. They are in zappy fever. They, they think that everything is awesome because they beat the Lions. No, the fact that you beat probably one of the worst teams in football does not mean that you're over Tom Brady. You need to admit that you have a problem. That's the first step to correcting a problem. Okay. So first, there's education and training to get the industry to understand that identity is a threat. You need to deal with identity vulnerabilities as much as you deal with unpatched machines. Understand that there's populations in your environment that are more likely than not be targeted. By the way, another thing about my thoughts on security. I hate it when somebody starts by saying, my product is the solution. Products are not the solution. Products are not the solution. They're part of it, maybe. They're part of the, they're part of the solution. But first, we need to think of, here's how a solution should look like. And then starting, start to understand how to solve these things. So as I said, let's start by, by breaking down. First, you need to get visibility into what your users are doing, not an account, not a machine. A what, person. What Understand the, each person in your company. And, where is he located? What is he doing? Exactly. What is he using? Yes. And in the meantime, deal with the, the contrast of the fact that regulation would like you to not know anything about that person. Absolutely. Because of privacy. So you need to walk that balance and understand that the fraudsters don't care about GDPR. They care about attack. So you need to know people and know their behaviors. Understand people. Understand where threats will come from into your environment. And also understand what you're willing to lose. For example, are you willing to let some level of breach happen to allow for business to continue? Run the, these analyses. Understand your business and understand your threats and your vulnerable people. Understand if you need to secure these vulnerable people more. Understand if you need to, to secure those vulnerable assets more. After you do the math, do the assessment, scan through this, now start enforcing. And second, you need to start thinking in terms of your security teams. Are your security teams staffed to deal with this problem effectively? I think that brings a topic that we can elaborate on in one of our future episodes is that security in many times is not a partner to a lot of those things that I required for this visibility. Like they're not part of HR decisions of outsourcing some things bringing in contractors, for example, in which you may not have visibility into what they're doing and how they're doing and how they're accessing. Even IT and security in many of those cases, completely disconnected, disjointed, like the access to some systems is given by IT and not always security is part of this. So I think we can talk a lot about how organization can better do that and how security can be involved. And it's also, I guess, awareness of everyone in the business to those risks, which I'm not sure that business unit deciding to outsource a specific task, they may see 
opportunities, productivity opportunities, other maybe risk to other areas, losing control of a timeline of projects, maybe IP. I don't know how much out of like just the governance and compliance thing, they actually think about the security risk. And so, so that's interesting, right? It is, but it also isn't. So first argument, I think security needs to get out of its own way and stop being the, the system of if they want to be included. I, it's like the like our, our annoying cousin that that wants to be included, but he's he nine years old. He's nine years old, and he doesn't realize that he can't sit at the grown-up table because he's annoying and he's nine. If security wants to be taken seriously, they need to start speaking business. They need to stop talking about technical terms. Exactly. They should not use big words like identity vulnerability or identity sprawl. You tell me identity sprawl, I look at you and say, huh? What? Please. Monosyllabic words. Monosyllabic words. Just tell me that this person may be the way for a hacker to get in and steal all my data. So or, how can we prevent that? Or the fact that because security was so busy locking everything down, IT created a whole bunch of additional identity sources just to move on with the business. And this is a little bit of a topic that we should discuss a little bit further of the fact that the business and IT are guided by moving things forward while security has been the realm of no and stopping. I think they need to, if they want to deal with the identity, with the person, they need to think like a person. And one of the things like I tell Ron, our son, Don't say no, say yes, but. Don't say no. Think of, take a breath, think of how, how yes is a possibility. Because otherwise you can't deal with people. And going back to identity, identity is people. And people don't want to hear, this is impossible. People don't want to hear. Businesses don't want to hear that. Yeah, exactly. for sure. I think we're running out of time. But, um, you want to go back to ourselves a little bit? Yes, let's conclude with something about ourselves. What do you want to mention? I think, the, I think we were very, very on the same page here. Which is not a typical way. Like, I'm not into sports. I was just quiet. Yes, and I am not a liberal. I do not listen to NPR, or unless I need to drive, and we share a drive, and I listen to the daily. And it's my podcast. And it's your podcast, podcast. yes. I, I think there's also the... The marketing position versus engineering position, which is a very different position. Well, I don't think we have a lot of time to discuss marketing in cybersecurity, but I think we touched a little bit about joint dislike for big words and our preference to just say what it is, talk about the pain. I think this is what a lot of cybersecurity companies, competitors of ours are not doing a great job of like real storytelling instead of like using big words. We will talk about that a little bit. We're also going to have guests in the future. If you're interested to be on our show, reach out to Didi and I. We'll have in the show notes a contact information and you can reach out on LinkedIn. I think we had a great time for this start. Um, I think so too. I any think, uh, thoughts you want to leave people with? Yeah, I think I, I like to give people the, the, the thought of what to vote on. So if you're going to give thing, people about our topics. 
kind of choose your own adventure. I'm giving a shameless plug to my buddy, Dimitri, who always says, choose your own adventure. So I think one of the topics I would like to cover in our future podcast is, where is security marketing going wrong? <laughs> and we're not going to plug our favorite plug of our topic of today of the lobby of the Marriott, but we're going to discuss that. I think I would like to discuss a little bit more of kind of the failure of UEBA. And even people don't understand what UEBA does. But if people... But they understand the user behavior is key because we just talked about that for yes, but, almost half an hour. Yeah, yeah. But, but if people want to hear us talk about UEBA... Quote on that topic. Yeah. Another one is observe versus act. A lot of our security tools, even our own security tools, do a lot of tell me problems. And like I tell the kids, don't tell me about a problem. Give me a solution. And I think this is where we need to discuss about alert fatigue and over-alerting and underdoing in our security products, not just ours, but in general. So these are like three topics I was thinking about. And I would like to know from the audience, what would they want to hear next? If you have other topics you'd like us to discuss, we'll be happy to. And next time we'll be a little bit more controversial, I think. Yes. And Maybe people would like to hear us fighting a little bit like uh, on a regular we, basis. We, we can just raise the topic of any holiday vacation and start arguing about my mom. I hope she's not listening. It's beyond her skill set. Thanks for listening to the DD and Latal Show. Please follow the podcasts on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your shows. Didi and Latel look forward to seeing you next time.